Welcome to episode 7 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina. And I'm Hillary. Here we go. <laughs> so your first today, well, what's going on with you this week first before we start? Um, let's see. I finally got the tree down, if you noticed when you I, walked in. I did. The house <laughs> looks so different without it. The, the <laughs> ornaments are not put away. <laughs> It's one step at a time, one step yeah. at a time. I'm like, let me just get all, everything off the tree. I'll throw it outside. Like, it'll be good. Um, also, this is weird. I was driving home from, from Tallahassee this week and uh, with Mary in the car, and we listened to episode four because it oh. came out that day <laughs> of the podcast. And it is very weird to listen with other people. And here's why. I was laughing at our, my own joke. <laughs> And every time I start to snicker, I'm like, stop laughing. You, you, um, you look ridiculous. But I was, I thought we were pretty funny. Well, I think that was a really good episode. Yeah. And I still find it weird listening to myself. Yes. And I, you know, I, I do it um, after we record just to, you know, do a run through, make sure everything sounds good. Yeah. But it's still a little odd. And um, I haven't been able to listen with anyone near no. me. No, it, it no, no, no. It makes me feel weird. It's very <laughs> awkward. It's very awkward. But, you know, and uh, Mary was laughing a lot. So that oh, made good. me, that made me, I was like, okay, she's getting, like, she's hearing where the jokes are and she's getting it. But it's still very strange. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that was fun. How about you? Um, I've just been uh, recovering from a nasty, yes. nasty flu. Uh, my son and I got the the strain a the the strain that of course the flu shot that we all took did not protect us from mm. um so it was pretty rough uh, but that tamiflu i'm like really touting this tamiflu because mm. i feel like if i didn't take it i would have been much worse off than i was like i had two days where i was really really bad a little delirious um really high fever and a mess and uh you know, it's been about five days and I feel pretty good today. That's and good. I feel like if I didn't have that, I'd still be a hot mess or worse than I am. Right. But I don't know if it's just me kind of believing the hype about the Tamiflu, <laughs> you know, like whatever, if it works. Out. Yeah. So, but, um, if I sound a little under the weather or a little more hoarse, <laughs> it's just because of that darn flu. <laughs> well, so. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. So it's your turn to go Okay, so today I'm going to talk about Michigan State Reps Todd Corser and Cindy Gamrit. Oh. Okay. So let's go all the way back to 2008. Remember that fantastic year, 2008? I do, actually. <laughs> I had a wonderful have... president. Everything was cool. Everybody was chill. <laughs> it was a really... <laughs> I don't uh, even like to think about it. It's it was like... a very good year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that song? <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, we'll change, we'll change the lyrics so, to fit the times. <laughs> yes. So right before the presidential election in November of 2008, the real estate bubble burst. Remember this? Yes. And the, they, what started was what they called the great recession. So this was due to overinflated real estate market and mortgages and a lot of folks that they just couldn't pay their mortgages anymore. So, and banks were on the brink of collapsing and uh, uh, the car industry, the, you know, the can car manufacturer, everything was just falling apart because yes. of this. So, um, it was a nightmare. And so the new president, Barack Obama, has to now inherit this nightmare. And George W. Bush took his happy ass back to Texas, right? Like, and so yeah. here's Barack Obama. Back on, back on the ranch. Yeah. So his, um, uh, Barack Obama and his administration had to come up with some ways to fix this. And so uh, one of the things was the Homeowners Affordability and Stability Plan. It basically allowed homeowners to refinance their mortgages so they can afford them. 
uh, it was like a $75 billion program and $200 billion uh, extra was going to fund Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, who a lot of people had their mortgages. Okay. So conservatives saw this as a government handout, right? They didn't like that the government was helping the banks and helping corporations recover. And so starting in 2009, a new wing of the Republican Party was born called the Tea Party. Everybody Ooh, remember the Tea Party? I, I do. <laughs> They really, they made a presence on that corner. Yes. On Oakland Park Boulevard Ugh, Federal Highway in Fort yes. Lauderdale. Yeah. With their big ass flags mm-hmm. and honey, honk, honk if you hate taxes or something like yeah. that. <laughs> like, like who likes taxes? All right. Yeah. So, P.S. Taxes, you know, there's a reason why there are roads <laughs> and, you know, other things that yeah. make a society function. They have to get money from somewhere. Yeah. So they took their name, of course, from the Boston Tea Party when American colonists threw tea from England into the Boston Harbor because they were protesting paying these high taxes that uh, England was charging them. I mean, you know, never mind that you're colonizing land that you didn't uh, belong to, but okay, let's not get petty. Um, (laughs) The Tea Party grew very quickly, and they had tons of protests all across the country. Uh, Fox News media anchor Glenn, you know, the world is ending Beck. He globbed onto this movement, and he cheered them on every night. You know, it was a big, huge... Uh, I want to say a craze, but all right, we can call it a movement if you want to, right? So, um, yeah, it, no, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it totally it swept, was part of it. It was in all pockets of the country. Yes. So, um, as their numbers grew, and so so did their plans. So they were um, against growing the federal debt and reducing the size of and the scope of the American government. And as the midterm and general election started approaching in 2010 and 2012, these folks started running for office, right? And in 2012, Republicans swept the U.S. House and took control. And a lot of these new uh, members were part of the Tea Party movement. Right. Um, Former speaker. Yes. The the Republicans already in office were thrilled. But what they didn't know is that the Tea Party folks weren't about to go along with the program. Um, They started their own caucus and they voted against Republicans for anything that was going to grow the government even an inch. And the speaker of the House at the time, John Boehner, was having a hell of a time. Like he was there thinking... (laughs) Yes, we have power in the house. I'm, uh, you know, I've got the majority, and now we've got these nerds like digging their heels in. Like <laughs> we're not right. voting for shit. Like we're not giving you an inch. They were really, really diehard um, folks. They were not nothing. They would give them nothing, and uh, it that's was when he painful. was crying all the time. Remember, remember? Yeah. with his with his really orange like tan, and, and he just, just I just remember the, the tears. tears. He's yeah. constantly crying. Yeah. So they also started running for state seats in local municipalities around the country. And two of those people were Todd Corser and Cindy Garment, or Garment, yeah, who we're going to talk about today. So a little bit about Todd Corser. Before winning his 2014 election to be a Michigan State House rep for the 82nd District, Todd Corser had his own law firm. He was married. Um, he's married. He has four children. And um, before he won that seat, he had run three for three different offices, and he was never successful um, until he ran as a Tea Party candidate. Mm. It was like part of that wave, you know? Um, Cindy Garment, uh, again, she's married. She has children. She moved to Michigan in 2010, and she became an organizer for the Tea Party movement like as soon as she got there. She founded the Plainwell Patriots Tea Party in 2011, and she founded the Michigan Four Conservative Senate, which was an organization that had pockets like all throughout or like uh, groups all throughout Michigan. They would hold forums for conservative candidates and they were a pretty big deal in getting out 
getting out the word, but especially for Tea Party candidates. Okay. Um, so she organized more than 50 Tea Party groups. She organized wow. forums, like I said, forums and panels. It's yeah, it's a lot. Uh, she ran for the Michigan House of Reps District 80 in 2014 and won. So they both won in the same year and were going to Lansing, Michigan, the capital, to to serve as representatives in the, in the Michigan House. So when they got there, Todd and Cindy were the only two Tea Party members, uh, from Tea Party Republicans, that were elected. And um, just like their counterparts in the U.S. Congress, they were digging in their heels when it came to voting for anything that grew the government in Michigan or, or the debt in Michigan, right? Okay. So this made the, the two of them outsiders in the House, uh, the Michigan House, and in their party, and of course pushed them closer together, right? Uh -oh. um, yeah. And then they did this really weird thing. Oh, hold on a second. I want to show you pictures of them. So here's their pictures after they were elected. Okay. Oh. Okay. What is pretty much what you'd expect. Yes. That crazy-eyed white lady. Yes. Right? Yes. And, you she, know. It, it, she has more of a grimace than a grin in her yeah. picture. But uh, it's that really weird Michelle Bachman eyes yes. kind of thing. Yeah. And he almost looks like he's talking. Is he about to say something? Like, why is his mouth open? I don't, I don't know what's know. going on at this picture. He looks like he's about to yell at someone. Yeah. So there's a picture of them. And then here's a picture of them. Um, like just being friendly on the house floor, mm. working together. Yeah. They look a little close. They oh, you look... know, and of course pictures like this became very, uh, f like fodder to, you know, over yeah. event later on, but like people are going to be like, Oh, look, look, yeah, how talking cuddly, about them. Look yes. how, how close together they are. Yes. So ridiculous. So but people, um, people are going to talk. They're of gonna, course. Yeah. Always. So then they did this very odd thing because they were becoming close and they're working on things together and they kind of, again, they felt like outsiders. They combined their offices. So not just their office space, but their staff. Like they each had their own chief of staff, but they they got a bigger office and put their And the staff, of course, was not happy with this. Like you don't want to work with other people. You're working for one candidate. Yeah. Like this was a very, or one elected official. It was a very weird thing to do. And from the outside, they it just, looked odd too. That sounds odd. And did they sort of do everything together draft bills like were, were they I sort of a know. package deal i don't know but i how imagine, they put forth i'd imagine that that's probably the case yeah. you know it sounds like they were moving towards something like that like they're they making themselves this force yes to or be even, reckoned even with. just to combining your offices is just more time together yeah it's very weird so how did the spouses feel about that oh i'm just being <laughs> gossipy <laughs> So soon, rumors were swirling about these two, and uh, there were overnight uh, overnights at the local Lansing Radisson. Like, there mm. were things happening, and of course, the two of them denied it. And then in August of 2015, a blog called, called West Michigan Politics posted some photos they received anonymously. Your favorite <gasps> thing ever. My favorite thing ever. <laughs> There's a lot of anonymous. Ooh, You're going to love I all love the anonymous. I love this. Wait. Yeah. So someone... So, <laughs> wait, you have to tell me it all. So someone just sent... Yes. This, um, a, a news, it's like a, it's a political blog. Okay. So they were like, Hey, check out, check out your inbox. There's some pictures you'll like. Yes. And then it's pictures of these two. <laughs> yes. Oh, so one of the photos had two SUVs parked side by side in a parking lot and which you could see the license plates. Like you could, if you needed to figure out who the cars were, but he's 
the person who sent these emails like gave them all this information and then the other photo i'm going to show it to you it looks like the photographer is standing above like on a in a parking garage above where the cars are so you can look down and see inside through who the is windshield this photographer Wait, stalking these so two. in the photo i know this is weird and it's kind of hard to see because of the glass but this is her sitting in the passenger seat and this is todd courser he's in the driver's seat and she's got her feet up in his lap and he's giving her a foot massage it's kind of hard to see but that's what the picture is showing that's one of the pictures that was sent to the blog Uh uh-oh yeah i mean it's hard to tell who it is but i guess if they had all of the other photos that would confirm it was their vehicles yes i also like that they were having uh some mcdonald's yeah (laughs) they had some fast food (laughs) for that fry box made me hungry yeah and now they're relaxing. I mean, it could be an innocent foot massage. Yeah. You never know. You never know. And even on the blog, if you go and look at the pictures on the blog, um, one of them had it circled where you could see him holding her foot. But I was like, eh. I, I mean, friends give you friends massages know. sometimes, maybe. Girl, you're so nice. Because <laughs> so, uh, if that was my husband, I... Oh, no. <laughs> there would no, be no, a no, murder. No, no. A new yes. murder podcast. Yeah. So, um... When it came out, they said that nothing was happening in the car. Just like you're saying. Like, oh, it's no big deal. What's the problem? Well, we went to lunch. Yeah, no big deal. So because they ran on this family values platform, you know, it was kind of laughed off. And, and many believed them. They didn't especially remember that. Just I remember feeling like when Barack Obama was elected, there was this before. Like it happened during the Clinton, uh, the Clinton administration. It was more like us versus them. It became a very like... Republicans versus Democrats in a in a way that was so vile and horrible, and so it just got worse and worse and worse. And so when a re- Tea Party, especially, they like they're diehards, and yeah. so one of their people get elected, they're defending them. Like even all their the people who voted for them, like they won in huge numbers. They were like, "Oh, please stop trying to make these things up. They're good people. They have good families. You know, it was, they were defending these two, right? Right, because they and don't so want to believe. Kind of like, yeah." They don't want to believe it. Yeah. Oh, you're just trying to get them out of office. You know, this is a, a this is all made up. Whatever. Right. Okay. So then, Todd and Cindy both started getting threatening text messages from the same person. Uh-oh. Okay. They mm. didn't know who it was. Again, it's anonymous. <laughs> and um, but the same this person was telling them that they needed to re- both resign or he or he was going to expose their affair. Okay, so the texts were very personal in nature. Whoever was sending them knew private details like their emails, their schedules, their phone numbers. Mm, Like this is an inside. Somebody who is close to them, right? This has to be an inside job. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, listen. Mm -hmm. I love the anonymous letter. The threatening stuff. I you know people shouldn't be threatened. Yeah. But if they are, you know, uh, spouting certain values and then Mm -hmm. they're full Mm -hmm. of hypocrisy. Right. You know. Right. So sorry. Yeah. So um, the pressure was on like Todd and Cindy knew they needed to do something or both of their lives were going to blow up. Like not just the public embarrassment as being leaders and Tea Party they and children, family values. They're married. They have families. Yes. Yeah. They both have children. They both are married and not good. No. So at this point, Todd's behavior on the office started to change. Um, staffers said he went from like this easygoing, fun guy to work with to like a paranoid, angry asshole. Like he was just yelling at him all the, all the time for no reason. He was just acting erratic. And remember, both these offices are combined. So her staff is seeing it. His staff is seeing it. And they, of course, they all know something's going on with these two. But well, now- one of those staff members has to be the one who knows where they are they know their itinerary how do they right. you know what i mean right and knows all that personal info right 
So right. he probably, not that he's legit and being paranoid, but he's probably like, which one of you right, right, right. is selling Somebody's, me out? Right, who's threatening us. Yeah. So so Todd comes up with this plan. Oh, no. Because he's really smart, okay? Oh, God. So <laughs> he comes up with this plan, and he says to his chief of staff, Ben Graham, um, he called him, and he said, I, Ben, I need you to destroy me. Come into my office. And Ben's like, what the fuck right like these this guy's out of his fucking mind like you know this is the point where you should just quit just get out so he called ben before ben went into the office he called his counterpart in cindy's office his name's keith allard he's the he was cindy's chief of staff and he's like he told him what he said and that he's he wants him to destroy him he said come to my office and keith said to him ben get a tape recorder (laughs) you need to cover your ass like this guy's in you know he's in balance like there's something wrong with him but you know protect yourself yeah. right so he did Uh-oh. so ben goes into the office and he's recording this conversation and todd tells him i want you to start these rumors about me um saying that i'm paying men for sex why <laughs> and that i'm a drug addict and i'm an alcoholic Is, so he's trying to deflect yes so he says quote, but in a worse way yeah so let's work out the plan. So first he says, quote, I want you to, I want it to sound like my dick has been hanging out all over Lansing since the election. This is the, a quote. This is a quote. <laughs> this is from the recording. He said um, that this gun toting, Bible thumping asshole freak is not working, but feeding his habit of alcohol, drugs and illegal sex. And that he's a sex, bisexual, porn addicted, sexual deviant, end quote. That's what he said in this recording to Ben. And. The plan was to write all of this stuff in an anonymous email. Oh, dear. And send it to this Republican mailing list. It's named, and, and the title of the subject was going to be Scandal um, Todd Corser, right? His name. So is he trying to add additional stories to say, look, all of this, like this one is, is garbage, so that therefore all of it is garbage? And then kind of get the heat off of the other girl, too? Yes, yes. Okay. So the staffer, of course, is shocked. And he tried to reason with him. And he said, this is not even a believable story, Todd. No one's going to believe this. And and Todd said, that's right. He said, this is so unbelievable that anything that came out after this, like the real affair, would just look like they were trying to take him down with lies. Right? So just like you're saying. So oh. let's make up all of this crazy shit before this anonymous texture outs us. Let's throw all this crazy shit out and it'll just look like I'm under attack all the time and no one's going to believe any of it. Oh, right? dear. Yeah. Because, listen, people dismiss the photo. Just but resign. But if it keeps coming out. Just resign. Just go home to your wife and say, look, I messed up and uh, I'm quitting this job. <laughs> like, just own up to it. This is that power, right? Yeah. You get addicted to it. They're... You get drawn to it. It's like, we're going to do whatever it takes to... Had the cake and eat it too. I'm gonna have and my affair. I'm gonna stay in office. I'm gonna does lie he to my wife. Continue the affair. Uh, yes. So oh, let's let's keep God. going. Let's keep going. So on the recording, Todd tells his staffer that Cindy is down with the plan. Although later on, she said that that wasn't true. She was actually shocked when all of this went down. She had no idea that this was actually that's you know that this was going on. So Ben Graham left the office shaken and alarmed. Right? He called Todd and said, "I can't do this. Like I'm not." sending an email for you so todd's like fine and he sent the email out himself under a fake email to this republican mailing list and of course the title said breaking scandal okay so the email gets little notice and it was mostly dismissed by republicans just like he wanted right and then after that also the mysterious texter never followed through with any of these threats so even Hmm. after all that was done the texting stopped nothing happened so they're in the clear right okay (laughs) okay oh god so then these two complete 
and utter morons do the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because what do you do when you're scamming, right? Like this is all scam. Like to have this affair, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. Anybody who's in on the lie, you have to protect them, right? Because if you don't protect them, they're outing you. So no, these two fired their chiefs, chiefs of staff. Oh, no. They fired Ben Graham and Keith Allard. The and people they who know all the dirt. The people who know everything. And okay. also the guy who has the recording, although Todd Corser doesn't know that, right? And so they say it's because of poor performance or they showed up late. But these guys knew everything. They knew everything. Why would they do that? It, ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you go through all this trouble to write this email and, and say these things about yourself that you know aren't true and like like try to like publicly embarrass yourself and it blows over. Fine. And then you go and do this? It doesn't no, make any sense. No, you got to be like, thanks for supporting me and yes. keep going. I mean, if you're going to keep going with the scam, you got to yes. you got to keep your, no. your minions happy. No. So these guys do these guys do what every, every person would go do. They went right to the the the, the press, right? Oh. And so they called um, this reporter for the um, Michigan. Uh, I'm sorry, the Detroit press. Oh gosh, hold on a second. Okay. They went and they called this guy from the Detroit News and they sat down with him as a reporter and they told him everything. And not only that, they played him the recording. Oh, so no. It's got everything. And it shut off, you know, set off this media shit storm all throughout Michigan. And of course, eventually the country like um, Jimmy Fallon talked about on his show. And um, that great guy, the English guy that's on HBO. Um, oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. I can't remember his name right now. Um, Let's uh... look it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't forget. Yes. He's so fantastic. John Oliver. John Oliver. John Oliver. John Oliver. <laughs> so he talked about it on his, and he's goofing on them, like goofing on this guy. Like it was so funny. So anyway, um, what happened? So the constituents start calling like for both of them to resign. Like it's enough. Yeah. Done. You're out. And of course the political knives were out because remember, they don't have any friends in the Capitol. No. This, now they're going to go to their party and ask them to like help us out. Like, you know, don't vote me out. Blah, blah fuck that it's over like you didn't play nice yes. the first time around and um it was embarrassing to the leaders and to the party like it was just and a their mess family and their families so um there was a michigan michigan house investigation that found numerous instances of deceptive deceitful outright dishonest conduct by both of them and that they abused their offices by trying to cover it up so in september 2015 the michigan house of Representatives voted to expel both of the representatives mm. Um, they both said they weren't going to resign. What? Just resign. They, they, they refused. And so but what then wrong. has to happen? Of course they are. But this, you know, I, this is the thing that every week. Yeah. And where listen, we shouldn't and be think, surprised, but yet here I am always surprised. Like resign. I think the part of this. Own up. The thing too is like, um, there's, I don't think there's anything. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. Having an affair is wrong obviously it's the cover-up in this situation right. that you know being caught in the cover-up because i think that it, having an affair that because something happens that kind people of thing have, happens yes, often people have affairs it doesn't affect your ability to right. govern it's the but when you're using firing, your office yes, you're using your office firing your people yes because of your misdeeds that's yes. where you're abusing your power and then that shows that you aren't really governing in the in the best interest exactly. of, of the constituents right you know and where's the work when's the work getting done around here this is like hijinks constantly in this office it's ridiculous <sighs> so what ends up happening is they have to have a very long uh drawn out um expulsion hearing in the michigan house and it was started at like seven o'clock at night and they have 
both sides go on and start talking about each each of them. First, it started with him. And his hearing was first. And he gets to get up and defend himself. He's like, oh, I'm please asking that you not do this. Da, da, da. And then each one of the House members gets up and says something. And, of course, they voted him out. And he's, he gets escorted right off the – you can still watch a video of it. Like, escorted out by security. Like, uh, bye. The, the walk of shame. <laughs> the walk the of shame. Get the fuck out. So then she – his was over at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. So then hers starts. And she gets up, too, and starts saying, you know, I ask that you not do this. Da, 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 says her whole piece. And they get up and one by one talk about all the things that she's done. And, of course, she gets voted out at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and that's it. They're gone, right? Um, so what's, let's talk about what happens after oh, no. all this. So both Cindy and Todd were charged with felonies for the role in the scandal. Oh, wow. Because, uh, so Cindy's charges had to do with official misconduct, and they were later dropped because the judge said there wasn't enough probable, there wasn't enough probable cause. And that's with... Him saying she was down with the plan and she kept oh, denying so that would be, it. Like, there was no hearsay, proof that he yeah. was part, she was part of writing this or coming up with this scheme or this cover-up. There wasn't enough yeah, proof his, for that. Yeah, his voice on the tape. Yeah. And then um, Todd's four charges were eventually dropped to one for official, official misconduct and one for perjury because he kept lying about it uh, in the courtroom. <laughs> and then um, and then on September 16, 2019, Todd was sentenced to 12 months probation. He also had to pay $1,125 in fines, court costs, and fees. And then to avoid spending 45 days in jail, he had to do 90 hours of community service. Mm. So their marriages. So Cindy's husband stood by her side during a press conference wow. where she cried and talked about her family. You know, the whole thing that happens when somebody's caught like this. Her husband also forgave her, but they did eventually divorce in August 2016. I, mean, I would imagine that that would be. Yeah. It's bad enough, I think, on a marriage, hard enough on a marriage to have to deal with that. Infidelity. That, yeah. And yeah. broken trust and trying to work through that. But to have it public. I know. To have it in the papers, to have everybody know about it. It's hard. That's, that's a, a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, Todd's wife said they were working on their marriage and she is working on forgiving him. They're still together today. Um, and then, of course... They wouldn't just go away. So both of them decided to run again for their old seats. Oh, no. And they At both, the same time? Yes. No. And they And they both lost. I mean, you know, by huge numbers. Like, she got, like, 2% of the vote. I think he got, like, 4% of the vote. It was, like, not even. And I don't know what. And this was, like, I just don't even understand what's the point at, at that, you know, at that at that moment. Why not even? if Let's say you're about the party and you're about your ideals and your values. Like, find somebody who represents those things and give money to their campaign. Yeah. Volunteer with them if they'll take you. Like, do what you can to yeah, help do that other person. things in the community but, for the, the causes that you Yeah, but support. why is it you? Why are you so good? Why are you so important? Look at what you've just done. Like, why why would you think that you you have value to add to anything? Gosh, this is disgrace. You were disgraced. Yes, you were expelled, and now you're going to go before them again. Like here I am. No, I know. Well, I also I also wonder because again we've had this. I swear to God, every single episode we're saying this. Like how? Why would they do this? I also think that maybe they're surrounded by people who are like, oh, but you were so good, but you mm. did such a great job, and you're. Where is the spouse and... going? Are you nuts? I know. Sorry, no. Right, right. <laughs> Not good. So finally. Let's talk about that mysterious texter. Oh, I want to know okay. who it is. Yes. Do they find out who it is? <gasps> He's no longer anonymous. What? This, to me, 
is like the greatest <laughs> twist of all time. Like I am dying. Oh, this is the whole. No, I, I can't wait. When I'm doing this story me. this week, I was like, Tina is going to shit when I tell <laughs> this part because it's so <sighs> fucking good. Okay, so after he's uh, after he's thrown out and expelled, he's like Todd's Todd Corser is like, I need to know. Because it all started with these texts. With these Let's text be honest, messages. you know? Like, you have to resign. You have to write. And he's like, oh, I got to make a plan. Like, this all started because somebody <sighs> was sending this, right? And he knew it was somebody who knew their private details and their emails. There's, like, somebody close to us. And he thought it was somebody who worked in the office. And, of course, Ben Graham, who was his chief of staff, yes. and Keith Allard, who was her chief of staff, they denied it was them. So he hired a private investigator <gasps> who found that the it was a burner phone. He found the burner phone was traced back to this name, C. Living Good. Now... This is weirdly close to the name of the reporter at the Detroit News who those two staffers went to. It was like mm. one, but it was like one letter off. And of course they went to him and then he's like, this is nothing. I'm, this is not me. Why would I? I didn't yeah. even know anything about this until those, those yeah. guys came to me later. Like it's not, but it doesn't make sense. But why is his name? Right. So, um, so they hired another investigator. And this guy found that the name, the burner phone came back to the name T. Courser, which is Todd. And Todd's like, listen, <laughs> why the fuck would I do that? Like, yeah. why would I no. text myself, text yeah. her? Like, and so finally he was like, I've had it with these private investigators. I'm going to the police. So he went to the police and he said, I need you to open an investigation and find out who did this because they were threatening us. They were, black, they were attempting to blackmail right. us if they're going to do the. So the police traced the GPS location Ooh. from the burner phone to a paper plant in Port Huron, Michigan. Okay? A paper plant. So guess who works there? I have no idea. Is it, oh my God, one of the spouses, somebody or other. Okay. It's a traveling chemical salesman by the name of Joe Gamert. Gamert. What? Cindy's husband. <gasps> <laughs> That's my great evil laugh. Can what? you believe it? Yes. No. So listen to this. Gamert. No. Yes. Joe Gamert. He denied these accusations. The prosecutors didn't, um, Denied filing charges against Joe because they didn't get enough, but this is what they found. Joe had been following his wife. He knew something was He was up. like stalking her. He was following her all around Lansing. He had followed her to the Radisson and saw her go into a room with Todd Corser. He waited in the parking lot until she came out, and then he called her, right? And he was like, what's up? And she's like, oh, I can't believe you're calling me. I just woke up from a nap or something oh. like that. And he was like, bitch. Like, I, you know, he saw her coming out of that Radisson, yes. right? So he knew she was lying. Oh my and, god! And it turned out he had been taking pictures of her for month months. He was planting recording devices in her car and in her bags. And remember the photo that was sent to the blog. <gasps> he took that. That photo? was Joe no, Gamrin. That's he her husband. Took the photo of her in the car getting the foot rub and sent it to the no. West Michigan Michigan political blog. No, Joe Gamrin the whole time. Oh, so he's mad. So he wasn't trying to work out that marriage. No. And when all, he but, was but, probably but, but just fuming and that jealousy. divorce didn't happen until all of this came out. The police came to her and said, we found all of this stuff. Like your husband was the one doing it. Like, oh. Everything got traced back to him. And she was like, peace, get the fuck out. That was it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I mean, but he was probably, he probably had an inkling. Yes. He knew what was going on. And yeah. He, and he probably felt like you're such a hypocrite. I'm going to, I'm going to sell you out. Yep. I mean, what allegiance does he owe her now? I know. I mean, I kind of, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. And look at all the things he tried to do. He was like, okay, well, maybe if I send these pictures, she'll, 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 she'll get thrown out and yeah. she'll be embarrassed. No. Maybe if I send these texts, maybe, you know, it'll be yeah. forcing them to resign. 
No. And then she still and runs then, again. And then the story comes out. He sends out this cr- crazy story and it all gets laughed off and he stops texting because he's like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to right. do. You know? I mean, maybe you could talk still, to her. They've been married for a while. Like, maybe married. you could just say, hey, honey, what's up? Like, you don't have to go through all this trouble. And then he still tried to work out the marriage without being honest about that. I mean, that's kind of it's creepy, awesome. too. Yeah, she was creeped out. She was totally I, creeped out. I mean, that, I get that part is, is scary that, that she didn't realize I know. all the time that he's following her. And I then know. the lies that they're telling each other in their little small talk. Ooh. I know. Ooh. I know. I know. I know. It's good. It's good. Good story, right? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, very yay. good. All right. I can't wait. I'm waiting. Let's hear it. Okay. So um, I wanted to just start off with um, some of my sources. There were, I I did a lot um, of research and of course there's Wikipedia, but there was one particular reporter at Joe Webb who wrote a ton of articles for uh, Local 12 News, Campbell County, Kentucky, um, Fox Chattanooga, ABC6. Um, So I got a lot of my um, material from him. And also a Scott Wartman who wrote a ton of articles for the Cincinnati Inquirer and um, other articles from River City News, um, UPI. Um, it takes place in Kentucky, so the Kentucky uh, government website and uh, Campbell County website out of Kentucky as well. And all of that is in our show notes. But today I'm going to tell you the story of Kentucky's former Campbell County District Judge and former school board member, Timothy Nolan. So I don't know if you're familiar with this. It might feel familiar once we get into it a little bit more. Okay. But in 2017, Timothy Nolan was a highly respected former county judge who was fresh off from working as the chair of the Donald Trump election campaign in Campbell County, Uh Kentucky. And he was also a newly elected member of Kentucky's uh, Campbell County School Board, District 5. So when Nolan's nefarious acts are finally revealed, he turns out to be the antithesis of the conservative crusader he pretended to be. His roots ran deep in (laughs) the muck. So um, as I noted, the story takes place in Campbell County, Kentucky, and Campbell... County was, um, it's a really old town. Um, it was established in the 1700s. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was, um, really interesting. And, um, it's about 90,000 people population wise, and it's a really, really beautiful area. I want to pull up some pictures. So that's some of the rolling hills. Gorgeous. And, um, everything is really Uh, lush and green and just pretty yeah so um in february of 2017 nolan is arrested and charged with one count of human trafficking so allegedly he engaged a minor no in commercial sexual activity what the fuck yeah basically prostitution one count of unlawful transaction with a minor in the first degree which is basically just engaging a minor in sexual activity and one count of unlawful transaction with a minor in the third degree. And in this case, he uh, allegedly gave minor uh, gave a minor alcohol. Okay, I'm now furious. Now I went from oh. zero to 60. Well, no, no don't, don't. it gets worse. No, it please, gets, I it gets worse. can't, I cannot. So the crimes happened the previous July and August of 2016. So again, this is a former judge. This is um, at the time he was a current school board member elect. 
Um, he was very active in the political community and well-known. So I want to give you a little background on this guy, Timmy. So in the 70s, he worked as a lawyer um, prior to uh, running for that judge seat. And in the mid-70s, I want to say it was like 1976 to like 78 or so, he worked in Newport as the city attorney. And uh, Newport at the time was considered Sin City. And so they wanted to clean up the reputation of that town. And as the city attorney, he helped draft an ordinance at the time um, that in 1976, the city commission passed. And that ordinance, I'm going to just read from, um, from that, quote, uh, forbade obscenity, sexual misconduct, and indecent exposure in public places. So he was one of these guys that were like, we're going to clean up the town and make things right. And then, you know, decades later, he's charged with right. these horrendous right. crimes. So um, as I noted earlier, he served as a district county judge from 78 to 1986. Um, and when he won his seat, he made it a point to acknowledge that lawyers didn't want to back him in his campaign for the judgeship. And he said, quote, I couldn't be happier than to have that. I hope lawyers never support me for a judgeship because as a group, they are one of the most despised professions. And this is after he worked as an attorney and worked right. as a city attorney. Right. And it's also a judge who has to work with attorneys. Right. Um, I just feel like, you know, you're in this position as a judge. You have some respect for the people in the profession that you're going to be engaging and with. Also, and it shows like that just... Who, and what's the... You know, there's a reason why people don't like you. Right. right? I mean, and why lawyers aren't supporting you for right. this. Right. We hear you know? this all the time. Like, you know, we had that election last year. There was tons of judges running and there were people that were like, that were lawyers that we knew that were like, you know, not this person. Yes. This person, this person right. not so good. Like there's a reason they, Cause know. they know your work. They know yes. your attitude. Yes. They know what you're about. Ugh. So or as a ski skeevy. Right. So as a judge, he was known as a hanging judge. So for people who may not know what that means, um, you know, back in the day, of course, it meant like a judge that would um, uh, offer the, a harsh sentence like hanging. Right. Um, but it today it just means like a judge known for his super severe, harsh sentences. And he was proud that he had that reputation and he liked the fact that people were afraid to come before the bench. Um, and then after his time as judge, he lost a reelection in uh, the late 80s. He returned to law, surprisingly, that mm. profession that he says yeah, yeah. is so horrible. But there he was. But he was also really vocal in um, in politics in the area. And he would go to uh, the fiscal court meetings and complain about government spending. And similar to the people in your story, mm -hmm. when the Tea Party came around, he joined the Tea Party and he was a very big active member. Yeah. And supposedly in Campbell County, he was a leader in the Tea Party. However, after these allegations, the Tea Party was like, <laughs> no, nah, he didn't really have such yeah. a great role. Um, he claims that he did. So that's sort of under dispute. Our stories are always linked in I some know. weird way like this. I know. I love so it. Bizarre. So, um, and then as I said, he was the local campaign manager for the Trump campaign in 2016 in that Campbell County area of Kentucky. And there's some dispute there as well. There are people from um, the, the Trump campaign who said he was never really a oh, leader. Boy. He was self-appointed. Oh, there's a lot say, of people in that campaign that hear that about. Right. Um, <laughs> other people uh, say he was merely enthusiastic 
about Trump. Um, but when I looked back and looked at uh, some old newspapers that were talking about his run for school board before any of this stuff came out, it said former campaign, you know, former <laughs> Trump campaign chair, Timothy Nolan running for. So it, it was known that, that this is what he was a part of. Um, but whether it was self-appointed or not, again, that's under dispute. Right. And um, the other thing I found of interest about this guy, just to give you another bit of history about him, is that when he was running for the 2016 school board campaign, um, sort of like your story where there's that sort of tea party um, group, it doesn't necessarily mean that all the other Republicans align with the values of the tea party. Right. Um, nor does it mean that the tea party aligns with the values of the Republican party. And that was sort of the case with this run for school board where there was this um, website, it was called gopfacts.org and it was a Republican run website that posted that Nolan was a racist and they pointed Whoa. to an old Facebook ad and he, uh, Timothy Nolan, not only was he a judge and the school board guy and this lawyer, but he also owned some trailers that he rented out. And he also owned a local watering hole called the rabbit hole. And it was, it's just like this dive, this little like kind of okay. junky dive bar. And there was a Facebook ad where supposedly Nolan dressed in clan gear Ugh. is like, come on down and hang out with the clan at the watering at the rabbit hole. That was an ad on Facebook, a Facebook, like a picture like that he had posted Holy shit in what year this is in 2016. Well, I don't know Holy when shit. I don't know when that oh. Facebook ad was up. It was sometime prior to this um, well, school board, it, but they found it on Facebook. Holy cow. He claims that it wasn't him. He ends up suing this GOP facts website saying that they are smearing his name. Well, that's the whole point of the hood. <laughs> so you don't know right. who's behind it, who's <laughs> right. underneath it. Um, and he claimed that, um, you know, that he is not a racist and he lists all of the wonderful things oh. and the, the work that he's done really. All his black friends and you name all his black right. friends. Um, but. He, he definitely, and he even said that, you know, his wife was um, sick and dying at the time. And he claimed that all of the stress about this, these allegations were adding to her stress and, and you oh, know, give me a adding to her illness. And which I could imagine if she was suffering and was sort of in her last days, it would be stressful. So how does Nolan get busted? Well, um, one of his young victims was brave enough to share her story with her school counselor. And that's when investigators got involved. One of his victims? One of oh, his victims. shit, I man. Know. So allegedly, he was her landlord. She and her family lived in one of those trailers. Remember, I said he owned some trailers. And this, the, the story that she told was that um, he invited her to his place. Um, and I think it was like to go quad riding or to do something. And once there, he offered her money for a massage. And then he coerced her into a sex act. So what's more is not only is she a tenant, but she's also a, a student in the very school district right. that he's serving as a school board member of. Right. It's beyond disgusting. And after this allegation comes to light, more women start oh, to come God. forward. And the county finally realizes what a monster they have on their hands. So in the end, 19 victims come forward. And it's over. For a 10-year span of time from about 2004 to about 2016. And seven of them, and I've heard differing accounts, um, but most of the ones that I've seen say that seven of them were underage. 
and most of them were addicted to some form of opiate. Well, listen, he's a fucking monster. He knows who to he's go after. He's a predator. And I yes. wonder if any of this uh, uh, added to the the stress of his uh his, his wife's stress with her illness. Right, when she What yes. a prick. No, he's he's a horrible human being. So, he essentially he preyed on girls on women that had addiction issues and what's even more disgusting is that he trolled women's shelters. <gasps> He trolled drug treatment centers. He went to drug courts. Oh, my God. Because remember, he was this judge, so he could go to sort of all these areas and pick out and target women that he could abuse. And it's, I mean, these are people at at their most vulnerable, and he takes advantage of it. It's horrific. And so he would offer drugs, and sometimes he would film them using to right? use it against them later and use it against them later oh and he would threaten God. them with jail right because he's got this evidence as a means to coerce them into doing what he wanted and he would also sort of wield his political clout pointing out his knowledge of judges other people that he knows oh right to God. scare these um, women into doing what he wanted so for some victims this went on for months and for others it went on for years no. yes so it's it's beyond sickening um, one victim said that she depended on Nolan as a source of food, oh transportation, money, and another who suffered from a heroin addiction, in addition to being homeless, had sex with Nolan over 50 times for money. Oh, my God. So, again, these are vulnerable people, right? Um, and instead of being someone who had a position to be able to help, right, and and, and do something to... Um, offer hope for someone right instead he uses his power to further destroy and and harm these people who are already hurting beyond it's 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 terrible so in the end um, the investigation found that he used force fraud and coercion to manipulate his victims and along with the victim statements they gathered video and photo evidence of nolan with many of the victims so he had there was a lot of stuff that they found once they started investigating and like um looked into him closer and they sort of had everything that they needed to get him. And at the time, I want to say he was 70 years old when he was arrested. Oh, it's so gross. So I wanted to read a couple of the victim impact statements from court because I just thought it was really important to understand like the level of pain that he inflicted. And this is just some of them. Um, One said uh, Tim Nolan knew vulnerability when he saw it. Another said, uh, because of my time with him, I don't know that I will ever be the same. Another said, I have no self-confidence or worth. I hate myself and feel dirty for all the things I had to do with him. Tim Nolan, I want to say you ruined my life. You ruined my childhood, teenage years and made me lose hope. I hate you. And another said, I find it hard to sleep some nights because certain images from my past encounters with Tim Nolan continue to haunt me and this was from a variety of uh news reports that that uh, that cited this and it's um it was so hard to read a lot of these and um uh, the the assistant uh attorney general was really a strong force in this in making sure that these victims were heard right and he did um admit guilt so it didn't go through sort of a long oh, thank God. trial or anything. But 
um, what is the aftermath? So he ends up getting sentenced to 20 years in prison, which I feel like is not nearly enough for what this guy deserves. I feel like it should be like 20 20 years per. Yes. You know? Die in there, you old fuck. Right? (laughs) Piece of shit. Oh, he's horrible. So he was also ordered to pay $110,000 with $10,000, some reports say up to $60,000, to the Human Trafficking Victims Fund. And the rest, um, which was about 100000 more or less, to asset forfeiture. Um, and I'm putting a link in our notes to the Human Trafficking Victims Fund so that if people want to donate to that cause, um, that the, there's an opportunity to do so. In addition, he had to take classes on sexual offenses. He had to submit his DNA. He had to take an HIV test. He is no longer permitted to view any form of pornography. He's not allowed ever on any social media, and he's not to have any contact, of course, with any of the victims. He had to register as a sex offender. I do have that horrible photo of him. Oh, I'm dying to see this From judge to um, convict, and that's sort of on the (gasps) sex offender website um, with his sex offender number for the state of Kentucky. And then I do have a photo of him from his time in court, and that was him. Holy shit. Um, if he is released, he will need to be cleared to be around children, and he will have to serve at what? least five years probation. And the Attorney General Bashir noted um, at this uh, trial that the punishment in this case does not undo the trauma inflicted on the victims, but it brings closure and some justice. So some points of interest... Um, in this particular case was that this guy um, is eligible for, for parole next year. So he was oh eligible for parole four years in, and next year, 2021, in? he is eligible. So I hope that he doesn't get paroled. Um, but I'm like, four years, that's it? Like, you've got to be kidding me. It's not like, enough. It's not enough. Well, violence against women in any oh way my God. is, is Th- bullshit. Nobody 19, gives a fuck about it. 19 that yeah. we know of. No. Whose lives are ruined. Forever. That he destroyed. Forever. And, and he can have four years and get out? So um, I just think it's too light of a sentence. Um, another thing that was kind of interesting is that because the he's from Campbell County, and this all occurred in Campbell County, but they had to actually move the case to Boone County because his daughter is the uh, Campbell County circuit clerk. And so it was a conflict to have all of this sort of happening because it's his daughter that would be mm. involved in paperwork and other things with this particular yeah, case. Course. So that I thought was interesting that they, they had to move the entire thing because of that. The other thing that we see a lot in these cases is at the time of sentencing, Nolan, remember he was an attorney, mm-hmm. he decides to fire all of his attorneys and oh. he wanted to change his prior guilty plea. He wanted the judge to recuse herself from the case because he believed she had a vendetta against him. Oh, right. And the judge's response was basically, uh, you have a fool for a client, <laughs> <laughs> which I like. So... He ends up sort of taking it all back and just like moving forward with, with what he has originally done, but that he sort of got to the, that he held things up and postponed things. And then he does this whole thing of firing everybody to postpone the sentencing. You know, it's, it's, it's all of this to me, it was like a ploy just to eke out the time yeah. as much as he could. 
Um, and not take full. I, I don't understand why people don't take full responsibility right. for things. Like, look at what you've done. You're listening to these women, these girls, yeah. telling you how you've ruined them, and you're still trying to like get out of shit. Yeah. What are you I mean, doing? he does. He does at one point finally say, you know, that he's sorry for what he did, and I, I didn't quote him, but it was sort of the the standard apology mm-hmm. um, that he, at least he he gave some sort of apology. Um, but at a few points. Um, the the other issue with him is that he did have a brain tumor. And so he was an attorney, and then in 1999, he resigned from that. And so at one point, they considered saying that perhaps it was this brain tumor that was making him act in ways that were unlike his character, right? Give me a break. And he later sort of withdraws that. However, when he was indicted, they also included a victim they found from 50 years prior I mean, when he was just 18 years old. Yeah. And all I can find on the victim was that she was over the age of 12. So um, when he says it was a brain tumor, I call Balderdash because he didn't have a brain tumor 50 years ago when he was 18. Tina, I guarantee you between 18 and whatever it was, 70 or uh, 60, right, whatever that's 2004, like, yeah. There were many, There's other people. many more people. I agree. This is I not agree. something he just, it's not even about. Um, the sex it's about power the guy just needs to be able to have control and have these people do what he wants it's always going to be somebody who's weak because he feels like he can have power he's he's a uh, a coward he's a coward but he's a coward who was cleaning up sin city right who's touting his conservative values yeah and who is the biggest hypocrite of them all right so like so many others instead of silently taking his sentence Right. This guy has to keep popping up. So even while he was in jail, he decides to sue his own daughters. So remember, his one daughter is that that Mm -hmm. circuit uh, clerk and he has another daughter. So when he was first indicted, his family set up a trust to protect his assets from lawsuits. So it was like once that first thing came up and that's the thing that a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, And he claims that he was unfit to sort of sign over that power. Um, due to the brain t- tumor, and that his daughters basically set up this trust to fleece him. And from what I read, basically they're just trying to make sure that the victims do get paid and that things Good. are, you know, being done in the right way possible. And so, you know, for him to come up and try to sue them, they didn't really respond to newspapers when they're like, what do you think about this? They kind of just went along with their business. And like I said, it, uh, uh, just saying that they're trying to make sure that, that the assets are being used for what they're supposed to Good. be used for um another thing i thought was interesting was that assistant attorney general her name was barbara whaley and a campbell county police department sergeant donnie dornhagen they were both honored with liberation awards for their work fighting against human trafficking and specifically specifically for their work on the tim nolan case and making sure that he you know was arrested that they did the investigation and, and all of that and the Kentucky Attorney General, like I mentioned earlier, Bashir, he is really, really active in Kentucky um, on bringing human trafficking to the forefront. And I thought that was really interesting. And I found a lot of articles on him where he even like at the Kentucky Derby said, hey, the Kentucky Derby, yeah, it's fun. It's this wonderful thing. But mm-hmm. this is where a lot of this human trafficking yep. is taking place. Please be on the lookout. Um, and for the most part, like that's most public places. You know, uh, we live in the state of Florida, and Disney World is 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 a big place. Anywhere that it's lots of crowds and people is easy um, place for people to exchange and 
um, well, Super Bowl is here next week. Right, and to so keep these women under uh, dis, uh, duress. Mm-hmm. So they offered a list of what to look for, and I just wanted to kind of say some of them just because I thought it was important. And they noted that there isn't one tell-all sign of human trafficking, and a lot of times that's you know, putting people into prostitution and um, keeping them against their will. But there's a combination of different signs that could sort of be a sign pointing to it that are common to victims of human trafficking. So um, one of them is traveling together or having identical tattoos or branding, being unable to identify what town or state they are in or where they're staying, Mm. lacking official identification documents or personal possessions, appearing malnourished, having physical injuries, avoiding eye contact and seeming to adhere to limited scripted or rehearsed responses, uh, losing the sense of time, and having possession of multiple prepaid credit cards. So if you, you know, happen to see someone that you think is in immediate danger, you know, obviously you would call 911, but if you suspect someone may be um, in danger or might be um, a victim of human trafficking, the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. So I just wanted to make sure that we put some information to help victims out there as well and that's the story of judge school board member predator and sex offender timothy nolan yeah we should say those other things first judge yeah. should be like the last yes sex offender yes <laughs> pervert horrible human being creep i know oh my god can you imagine no and no. he's in, and then when you know that's the thing that blows my mind when i i look at the the beautiful town and I'm scrolling through the pictures of the place and it's just lush and green and beautiful. And then there's, you know, everywhere there's just this seedy underbelly of things that is just horrible and scary and uh, dangerous for so many women out there. And it just made me sad. And But um, I think it's important for people to remember this guy. Yes. And when he's up for parole, say, you know, no, he should not be up for parole. Right. So. Oh, I hope that happens. Yeah. Let's let's keep an eye on it and so we can see what happens. Yes, hopefully. for sure. Okay. Right. I know we ended on a sound one this I know. week. But that's what we do, right? We're exposing these You're right, you're right. We're we're reminding people of these stories about holding people accountable who yeah. are elected officials. Yes. I am right now um, watching two movies because now all the you know, all the Oscars, the Oscars are coming. Yes. The Academy Awards. And I'm watching I just watched Parasite last night, which is a really awesome Japanese movie. It's fantastic. Oh. Oh, you got to watch it. It's creepy weird. My mom and I are like, we can't figure out what was going on, but it was so good. And I'm in the middle of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I need to see that. It's really good. And Brad Pitt. Let's end on a good note. <sighs> okay. Brad Pitt forever and ever and so, ever and ever. How funny that you say this. I was just telling my husband, I was like, I think I'm having... <laughs> A resurgence in my love for Brad Pitt. Yeah, so me too. I used to love Brad Pitt. So, I mean, back in the day, remember, yeah. first of all, Thelma and Louise, Honey. him on the side of the road without that shirt. Baby, I was please. like, I'm in love. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, set everything. Like, he just, uh, well, here's I the just thing. loved him. But then, but yeah. then. Yeah. And I said, and this is what I said to my <laughs> husband. I'm like, I don't know if this is it's just in my head or not. But I said, you know, I really liked Brad Pitt. And then there was this time where I just was like, eh, not right. feeling him. 
And I realized it was the same amount of time that he was married to Angelina Jolie. Oh my God, I was just going to say, I bet it's when he was married. And now that he's away from her, it's like this this thing has come back. And I'm like, dang. And this is what it is too. And that award show where he's like, I'm going to put this on my Tinder or whatever. It was so cute. But here's the thing. He, I always thought he was cute. Right. I mean, look, he's a good looking guy. What are you going to do? He, it doesn't look like he's done something to his face. Like maybe he did years ago, but he's aging, very handsome, rugged. He like, is. um, what's that awesome? Um, oh God, what's his name? What's his name? George Cute. Clooney? No, Robert Redford. Oh, Robert very Redford. Very Rod, Robert yes. Redford, rugged, like letting his face do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. He takes his shirt off in this movie, honey, and I fell off the couch. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he looks so good. And he's like this smooth and suave. He's smoking yeah. cigarettes, which you know I got to have some of that. He's like so cute. He's like this California, cool, older, rugged, handsome guy. And I was like, damn. It oh looks my God. good. I think we need to start the whole thing that Brad Pitt sort of disappeared and now he's back. And it yeah. was all because of Angelina Jolie that we can't appreciate how amazing yeah. he was. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, true. Angelina Jolie. Sorry. Sorry about it, but he looks good. Yes. And then, of course, now there's all these rumors because he's single and Jennifer Aniston's single. I don't, Leave them I don't, alone. Please. I don't want anything to do with this. No. Let him be single in my imagination and in real life. Yes. <laughs> Live it up, Brad Pitt. Enjoy well, that's that a good, time. That's a good note to end on, right? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us again. And uh, thank you for listening and sharing. We had our 500 downloads this yes. week, which was so amazing. Again, I don't know what that means after I four know. episodes to have... Of course, we're recording this early, or like a couple weeks early, yeah. but uh, to have those those downloads is pretty fucking yes. spectacular. So. We're, we're so, so thankful. And again, share, 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 share. Yes. Let your friends know. Let your friends know what a podcast is. Yes. <laughs> Some people still are asking me what is a podcast. So let everybody know. It's a way to listen to, to it's like a radio show. Yes. You to listen to it anytime you want, anywhere you want, uh, your car and your on your computer on your phone i mean it's crazy so yes thank you for joining us and i will see you next week tina yep bye bye if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories please follow the episode notes on our website themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook at the muck podcast to support the muck podcast please visit our patreon page we have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.